scripture that, that we have before us here today is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 21. So 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, Be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Well, the passage that that we have in front of us has actually about uh, three different points. I know I've said this before, but it's, it's one of those passages that you could probably preach three different sermons out of and still have, you know, still be uh, going over the hour that we have. Uh, I'm not going to do that today. Don't worry. We don't have three different messages. But what I'm saying is, uh, when you leave here today, I encourage you to go over this passage again. And not just this passage, but the whole chapter that this is in, and really the whole book of 2 Corinthians. Because Paul really leads up to this passage and expounds more on what's here today. So there's a lot to uncover Hopefully we can get through in a timely manner. Uh, I know you're hoping that anyway. Uh, So the first passage that that we're uncovering here, the first verse here is just what's right there in front of us in verse 17. You are a new creature. Some of your translations may say, you are a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. Paul is giving a statement to the Corinthian church here where he's reminding the people what happens when we become Christians. What he's reminding them is that when you're a Christian, when you begin to follow Jesus Christ and enter into a relationship with him, you are a different person. You are someone new. And there's probably two different meanings that we can glean from this in application to our life. The first is probably what Paul was specifically talking about, and that was when you look at the plan that God has for the world and the plan that God has for us as Christians is we're not just going to stay here forever, right? We are looking forward to the day that Jesus returns. And when he returns, he's going to do something miraculous. He's going to take the old creation that we're living in now, and he's going to let that pass away, and he's going to rebuild a new creation for us to live in. If you look uh, towards the end in Revelation chapter 21, John sees this image where the old heaven or the new heaven and the new earth are coming down and the old things are passing away. And the image that you sort of get out of this that I think Paul is using that John sees in the book of Revelation is this image of what happens when a nation comes in and takes over another nation. If you look back to the book of Joshua, when Joshua and the Israelites are entering into the land of Canaan, that's their promised land. That is the land that God gave Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That is the land that is for them to settle in. And what happens? 
they run into Jericho. And when they run into Jericho, they don't just take over Jericho. Jericho crumbles, right? They walk in, Jericho crumbles, and what do they do? They then settle the land and they build on top of it. This is what armies would do. They wouldn't just walk into a town and live the way that town was. They would go through and they would change it completely. Most of the time, they would go through and they would destroy everything so that they could rebuild that city exactly how they wanted it. Usually, they'd go through and they would find idols. They would find statues of kings and and different generals that were in the other armies. And they would destroy those, and they would build their own statues. They'd make their own idols. And Paul is using this image of the kingdom of heaven coming down, doing away with everything that we see here in building up a new heaven and a new earth for us to spend eternity with. So that's the image that Paul has, and it's interesting because when he says you're a new creature, he's using that imagery and saying to us here today, if you're a Christian... The old things that you used to be a part of are gone. They're done. You are now participating in a new heaven and a new earth that we don't see yet. We are actually citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And when Paul says you're a new creature, he's saying, hey, guess what? You now have a new citizenship that's not a part of this world. It's a part of heaven. You now have citizenship with God and his people. The old things have passed away. You don't need to live in this world as if, though, this world is going to be here for long. We now live for God. We now live for the kingdom of heaven. Now, how does this affect us in our personal spiritual lives, us as individuals? I was trying to think of an illustration, and, and the best I could think of is, uh, well, Emily and I, we, we like some bizarre uh, reality TV. Um, when I say bizarre, I mean like we like shows like Hoarders. Of course, I can only handle one episode at a time, and then I need a week off to get back into it. Emily, she'll watch it all day and all night. But one of the shows that we're fascinated by is this British show called You Are What You Eat. I don't know if anybody here has seen it, but a nutritionist will go into a household where they're having health issues, and she'll go through and find out, well, what's your diet consist of? What's your physical exercise look like? And of course, it's horrible. It's never good stuff. And what she'll do is she'll uh, have them take a diary of all the things that they've eaten throughout the week, every day, every meal, every snack, and then she'll go to the store or the restaurant that they get these items for, from and she'll put it on a table and so in front of them is all of the things that they eat in a week and I got to be honest I have yet to look at a table and go that's disgusting usually I look at it and go yeah I'd eat that yeah but when you add it all up you're like holy cow my goodness how does somebody eat this much food and and the point she's making this nutritionist to the people that she's helping is what you put into your body is ultimately going to affect how you are as a person and so she begins to teach them don't eat this eat that stay away from this food eat that food and inevitably by the end of the month i think it's about a month that she goes through with them they become new people 
They lose weight, they feel healthier, they get off of medication. And the point she's making in all of this is the way you live your life before is causing problems. If you change the way you live your life, good things will come. And when Paul is telling us, you are a new creation, you are somebody new in Jesus Christ, the point he's making is that the old things that we used to participate in before we were saved, before we became Christians, those are gone. We don't participate in those anymore. We do not go back to the lifestyle that we walked away from. Well, why is that? Well, because that's old. That's perishing. That's passing away. Uh, Those sins that we used to be involved in, those sins are hurtful. Those sins are detrimental. So what do we participate in? Well, we participate in our new citizenship, the kingdom of God. Uh, In a way, we are, are changing our lives sort of like you might change a diet, that what you're putting into your spirit, what you're putting into your body is now having a positive effect on you because it's with the kingdom. Uh, reading the scripture every day is a positive effect on your spiritual life. Prayer with God every day is a positive effect on your spiritual life. Whatever you walked away from is no longer your identity. You are no longer that person. And Paul is letting the Corinthian church know you've been saved. You've been forgiven of your sins. You, you are now a new person with a new agenda in your life. So how did this occur? How is it that we went from this old body passing away towards death into being a new creation? Well, Paul says this happened through reconciliation. If you look at at, uh, verse 18, he makes the point. Uh, He says, Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. This word reconciliation is, is really interesting because when you start to dig into that word, the way that Paul was using it in its original language, the word was more often than not used in reference to money. In almost every circumstance, and in fact, the way that he writes the word in this passage is oftentimes the way the word is used when you talk about finances. We need to reconcile finances. We need to reconcile the ledger with the account, with the budget that we have. Do you get what I'm saying? Uh, If you've ever had to reconcile accounts, it can be burdensome, can it? I don't know if you've ever been in that situation where you've owed a bill to somebody else and you have to figure out how to put together the money to pay it, but it can be stressful. And Paul is is using this word, I think, on purpose when he says that we have been reconciled in a financial sense to God. He's making the statement that there was an issue with our relationship with God. There was a bill that we had to pay, and we couldn't pay it. And he explains how that bill was paid. And so he's using this very much in a relational sense as well. Uh, Let me tell this story. Uh, We have a story in our family that, you know those stories that have been told over and over in your family, so it's kind of like it happened to you. In our family, we had one member of the family that owed the other member of the family money. And you can imagine what that relationship was like when they were 
when they were uh, in a relationship together, a family relationship, but one owed the other money. And, and he brought it up one day. He said, hey, do you have that $20 you owe me? And, and the response was, well, I, I don't have it today, but I can get it tomorrow. And there was a fight that ensued, and the one that owed money pulled out the money, wadded it up, and threw it in the field and, and, and said, there, there's your money, you can have it. And then the other one didn't go and look for the money. He said, no, I don't want your money, and he walked away. And then a gust of wind blew in the field. Guess what? Everybody was out in the field looking for the money that was owed. That's the kind of disruption we have in our relationship with God before we're saved. We owe him something that we can't pay back. There's a disruption with our sins against him. And Paul says Jesus stepped in the middle of that disruption and Jesus reconciled the ledger on our behalf. In verse 21, it says, through the work of Jesus, he who had not sinned became sin on our behalf. That's the work that Jesus does on the cross. We owed God our life, but we couldn't give it. We had no ability to pay back the debt with our own life. So Jesus took the sins that we committed, and he represented those sins on the cross in his death, and God counted that as our debts being paid to him. Do you see how that works? We had nothing to offer God. There was a disruption in the relationship. And Jesus came through God's only son and said, I would like to pay his debt so he can be in a relationship with you. And he did that for us. So we've been reconciled to God through Jesus' death and resurrection. What's more than that? Still in verse 21, not only, uh, not only was, was uh, our debt reconciled, but it says, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So not only did Jesus pay the debt that we owed God and reconciled the relationship, Jesus then gave the credit card of his righteousness and said, you'll never need to rack up debt again. You'll never need to owe God a thing because you now have his riches. You now have all of the riches of heaven that you're a citizen of. Are you tracking with me so far? We are a new creation. We once had a disruption in our relationship with God, but Jesus Christ came through, paid the debt, and now gives us citizenship in heaven with God so we never have to rack up a debt against him again. This is what it means to be a new creation through Jesus Christ. He has made us new by his work on the cross and his resurrection. So this is what's happened to us as Christians. We've been reconciled. Now, there's still a problem. There are others that have not been reconciled. You know them, I know them. We've met them in our place of work. We've met them in our community. We now have the ministry of reconciliation. We now have what Paul has described to the Corinthians. We now have that duty as Christians to go and bring this world or to deliver the message to this world of reconciliation. How do we do that? Well, Paul says we are ambassadors for God. Now, does anybody know what an ambassador is or a diplomat? 
That is somebody that is a representative of their own country to another country. So, when you go to another country, I I suggest this, we've done it before, look up where the American embassy is. If you go to another country, just about every country in the world will have an American embassy where you can step foot and that place is a physical representation of the United States of America. And that office, the office of the embassy, has individuals in there that are not just working for the embassy, they are called ambassadors and they're called diplomats. They are physical representations of the United States of America. And these people are appointed by the President of the United States of America. And this dates all the way back to biblical times where a king would send out a representative to deliver news about what the kingdom is going through. And the whole purpose of an ambassador is to be the mouthpiece of the one that sent them. So when a U.S. ambassador goes to another country and they begin to speak, they're not speaking on their behalf. They're not speaking as an individual. Whatever they say and whatever they do is going to be taken as a direct representation of the government and the people they represent. So when they go in, they're careful with their words. They're careful with their attitudes. They're careful with their actions. And Paul says this is the calling that we have. And how do we have that calling? Well, we're citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Because we're from another kingdom here in this world, we now have the calling and the duty to go and be ambassadors in this world. So there's a few points I want to make about this, and then we'll close. What does it mean to be an ambassador? Well, I was reading an article last night on on, uh, U.S. ambassadors and diplomats, and I was trying to figure out, well, how has the U.S. carried all of this? And there's actually a lot of really funny stories, if you start to dig into it, uh, where ambassadors have gone out and have not been fully prepared for the country that they're going into. One of the stories they tell is about how uh, one ambassador was headed out, and he was prepared to give a gift to a representative of another country. And the whole idea was that, well, we want to give a gift, and that country is going to give a gift back, right? Right? That way there's an even exchange and we can show the world that we're on the same footing and we can talk about the same ideals together. He shows up with a gift, hands it to the representative, and the representative from the other country goes, starts to look around, he doesn't have a gift to give. And this diplomat that said she was there at the time said it was just this very embarrassing moment because all of a sudden it looked like one country owned the other. And so they had to save face and do a gift exchange later and make sure everybody knew this gift exchange was on even terms. All right? When we go out into the world as ambassadors, we need to make sure we're ready for the culture that we face. The reality is... Our world is changing rapidly and drastically from the values we hold as Christians. The world is turning, and and it's always been that way. The world has always had a different value system than we've had as Christians. And so when we go out, we need to be ready to face that value system. We need to be ready to face people that believe something different than us. Not so that we can change our ideals, 
but so that we can better present our ideals to the people that we're meeting with. I'll give you an example. Uh, Right now in the youth group, we're studying world religions. And the point of all of this is that we're looking at what are the different religions in the world that we're going to encounter as Christians. And in the last few weeks, we've gone over uh, Islam and Judaism. And down the road, we're going to go over a few other religions. And the point of us doing this as a youth group is we're making sure we understand what other people believe so that when we present the person of Jesus Christ, it's understood in a way that they've not heard the message before. We are making sure as a youth group we're headed out into the world knowing what they believe in Islam so that when we walk in we can say, we've heard that story, we've got someone better for you. We've learned about that before. Let us present to you the real God, the person of Jesus Christ. As ambassadors in this world, we need to be prepared for the culture that we face. We need to be prepared for the people that are not going to hold the same values that we do. Uh, The second point is we need to know the authority that we carry as ambassadors of Jesus Christ. Tony Evans, uh, a minister down in Texas, and I believe he's a teacher at Dallas Theological Seminary, uh, he has a really good illustration that he used in a message a long time ago. And, And the illustration that he uses is the story of Superman. And as the story of Superman goes, Superman is not from this planet. He's from the planet Krypton. Now, I would love to tell you the whole mythos of Superman because I love comic books, but I won't do that. The illustration he has, though, is that Superman looks like Clark Kent, but even with the glasses on, who is he? He's still Superman. He has all of the power that the people of the world don't have because he is not from this planet. He's from somewhere else. And the illustration that Tony Evans uses is that we have authority in this world that other people don't realize we have because it comes from the kingdom of heaven. We have the authority to preach the truth in our society and to do it boldly. Because we don't just go out into the world alone, God goes before we do. Have you ever thought about that? Before you step into a place to speak the truth, to be bold and tell others about Jesus, God is actually there waiting for you. This whole time you thought it was your idea that you walked in to tell somebody about God, it was his idea leading you into that situation. That's the authority that we carry as Christians. God has given us this power to be able to speak biblical truth into this world's life so that they too can be reconciled to God. They too can know that Jesus will pay their debts. And then finally, one last illustration. Uh, know uh, Know the mission that you've been sent on, and this comes from C.S. Lewis. In his book, Mere Christianity, he's describing what kind of life we live in this world. Uh, Because we're not just living in a world and we're going to go to heaven and stay there for eternity. We live in this world and we're waiting for the day that heaven comes down, okay? We're waiting for that new heaven and that new earth. And the point that that C.S. Lewis makes is we are in enemy-occupied territory. We are in a world that is God's, but people don't know it yet. 
There are people outside of this church that think this world is theirs. It's not. It's God's. And so when we go out as ambassadors to this world, we are there to tell people and remind people this world is God's. He's coming. He's coming back to do away with it and to build something greater. That's the kind of ambassadorship that we have. We need to remember the mission, and that mission is to remind people who Jesus Christ is and the relationship that we can have with them. As we close here today, I want to invite uh, the prayer team up a little early today. I hope that's okay. But I want to invite the prayer team up for this time of prayer. And I want to offer, if there's anybody here that any of this has touched on, to feel free to come up to prayer. And, and if you're not able to come up or you would like to stay in your pew, feel, feel free to stay there. Just raise your hand. Somebody from the prayer team will come and, and pray with you. But I want to offer... If you have not yet been reconciled to Jesus Christ, or excuse me, you've not been reconciled through Jesus Christ to God, if you don't think that you've yet been made a new creature, I want to offer that you can come up and the prayer team will lead you through that and pray with you. And I also want to offer, if something's been on your heart, this whole idea of going out into the world and, and, and preaching the truth to people, if you're feeling that urge, I also want to invite you to come up with the prayer team and pray with them about this and see where God's direction might lead you. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this high calling that you've given us, this calling that we would be sent into the world and proclaim the truth, this this calling that started when, Jesus, you reconciled the debt that we owed God, that you brought us back into that relationship, that, that you were there with us uh, making amends so that we could be in a full relationship with the Father. God, we thank you for that. And so we pray, God, that, that you would lead us to those who have not yet been reconciled, those who do not yet know that they can be a part of your kingdom. God, we pray that you lead us in everything that we say and do. Amen.